daf ein base out of hand am bet own your decision ze gitech laacha mita the uh, let's let's continue this amazing exploration of the interface between life and and the torah uh, between our spiritual lives and our physical lives how the two interact all together and this is really what we do uh, each time we sit, we sit down and learn it's about understanding the the gemara in a way that that infuses our lives with a dimension that comes straight out of the gemara that's why it's important to try and implement what we learn in the matmonim each day to try and take something from it and what, what, what you're pulling we talked the other day about drawing energy from small things you're drawing energy from a piece of gemara and you're putting it into your day that's what lilmo damnat lasot means lilmo damnat lasot doesn't mean i need to know the halachas i need to know what to do that's an automated life that's not a life of of uh, of chayim of chayut so it's not a, a dynamic life and a live life and a live life is to take the principle to take the curve from the torah and infuse it into our day and to learn how to do that even from complex sugyot in in the mesechtet such as as gitin and um, as you'll see here's a, a good example of how we said about it the first thing is to is to choose the piece of gemara we're going to work on because as we know we're looking at a whole daf and and uh, unless we're spending the entire day on the daf and even then we're not going to be able to do justice to the daf so it's important to choose the piece what is it that we're going to focus on uh, then to get to an understanding of what's the essential issue in that piece of gemara and then the so what always you put ask the so what so now I've learned a piece of gemara so what in what way does that change my life and until you get to the answer to that question we haven't finished the learning with how why would we be learning there's no so what so what's okay so I've learned Torah I've been became the mitzvah of limud Torah I've gotten closer to the rebellion of course all of all of that is so but we need to push the boundary further and understand how Hashem has given us this Torah Uh, in order that we should infuse it into our lives and and live it so here we have a a, a mishnah on daf ayin beis amudalaf where the mishnah talks about a man who's ambiguous in the language he uses when he gives the get get is supposed to be very incisive very very clear uh, and he confuses the issue by by the words he uses this is your get provided I die so when is it supposed to when, when does the get work after death before death when what does it mean this is your get if I don't recover from this illness all, all these cases we can't take notice of that um, from today if I die that's the one we're going to focus on here's a get from today and after death Get for Eino Get, says the Mishnah. It is a get and it isn't a get. It's a sophic. It's, it's very, very confusing. And when we're looking at a sugya, we, we've often talked about the importance of identifying parallel sugyas. That sometimes you've got to look at a piece of Gomorrah we're learning and get in together with a piece of Gomorrah that appears elsewhere. In this case, the, the, the Gomorrah in, in uh, Bava Basra, Daf Kuflam Bidvav, is the parallel, the sister sugya that you've got to learn together. And there we have, at the big top of the soul sheets, we have a Mishnah. HaKotev Nechasav Livnav. Person writes his um, his nechosim, his uh, property to his son. Why? What's the situation? Explains the Rashbam. This is a a man who wants to marry a woman. He's been married before. He's got children from his first marriage, and he doesn't want to commit all of his property to his second wife, and then his children from the first wife will have nothing. Uh, as a result of that. So what he wants to do is give his children from the first wife his his estate, 
but on the condition that he can use the estate, he can draw the income from the estate. In the meantime, it's like these living trusts that, that are, are, are popular today, even in the in the general legal legal system. So you see the Mishnah talking about such a such a trust that he wants to do. In such a case, it's important to clarify that you're doing this from today and after death. In other words, what does that mean? I'm giving you the 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 capital today. But you'll only be able to enjoy the 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 product of, of the, the the returns, the income from the property after I die. Until then I'm using it. So we set it up in a trust for you. Rossi says he doesn't have to use that complicated language, you can do it much more simply. Ask the Gemara, and if you say why does that help? Didn't we learn in Gitin, our Mishnah, that, that in such a case, if you give a get and you say it's from today and it's after death. Get get, it's a sophic. If he dies and has, doesn't have children in the case of Gitin, she can't do Yibum, she can't do she, she has to do Khalitza. Because of the sophic. Because Hatam says the Gemara Mesapkalan then the case of get, we're in doubt. What does he mean? Does he mean, I'm re- I want to give you this get now? No, no, I don't mean now, I mean after my death. What, what does he mean? Has he changed his mind? There's a, there's a contradiction between the first part of what he says and the second part. Or not? Is he, is he making it a conditional get? But here, clearly he's giving the capital today and the, and the income after, after death. Uh, in our Mishnah, where we say that there's a choletzet ve lo there's this doubt, explains Rashi, so our doubt is, when he says this, we've got to interpret his words. Is he saying, this is a get from today on condition that I die? In other words, it kicks in on my death, but it's effective from today. So once I die, you will have been a divorcee from today with all the dinim of a divorcee. Or has he withdrawn? Has he changed his mind? What he meant is, here's your get from today. No, no, I don't mean that. I mean it's it's a get after death. And and then it's not a get at all because a get can't take effect after death. Once your person's died, his wife is an almana. She's a widow. He he, he can't give her a get anymore. So, So what does he mean over here? If we're talking about a gift, a father wants to gift his property to his children in, in that kind of trust way that we talked about, we, there's a way to interpret what he must mean. But you can't apply that interpretation and get in, and so they're different. The, um, and then the Gemara goes on on, on Omad Beis with the, with the Shita of Rabbi Yossi, where Rabbi Yossi says if you've put a date on the Shtar, clearly you mean it to be effective from that date because you don't need a full detailed dating in the Shtar. Uh, and that's the, the Shita of, of Rabbi Yossi. What we're going to look at is, is a fascinating idea in, in, in leadership and in collaboration. Whether you are leading your family or you're leading a team of people or you're leading your customer or client or you're a Rebbe in a classroom, it's important to know when you've got to make a unilateral decision, when you have to negotiate a decision, 
and when you have to make a decision and inspire people to follow you. Those are three different models. And it's important to understand which is which, and we're going to learn that from this piece of Gemara. Isn't that interesting? I'm kind of learning a Gemara of a date on a thing, and on a get, and does he mean this, or does he mean that? All very technical. But when we get to the essence of it, as we're going to see, the essence of it we're going to understand is what, what goes on in those transactions. We're talking about a get, we're talking about a document, a commercial document of trade. Both of them are issues of collaboration, the relationships. Um, and we're going to look at, at Kiddushin as well. And the source of the idea comes from the Nesivas, from, from the Torah's Gitin. The Torah's Gitin is the Nesivas. The Nesivas is the Rav Milisa we know him as, uh, who lived in that wonderful time, Torah time, end of the, the 18th century, beginning of the 19th century, where you've got Rabbi Kiva Eger, and you've got the Chassam Sefer, and you've got the Ktsos Achrishin, and you've got the Sivas Abishbet, and you've got the Vilna Goa, and it's an amazing period of, of, of Jewish history in terms of Torah. And the Rav Milisa wrote a Sefer after the Ktsos Achrishin came out with his groundbreaking new methodology of learning. The, the Ktsis HaChushin, which became adopted as the textbook of method of learning, then the Sivas wrote a different approach to learning, both of them on Choshin Mishpat, both of them on the area of, of commercial law, uh, and then the Sivas HaMishpat then also wrote a Sefer called Teras Gitin. And he wrote that on Gitin, on Sefer, only on, on Gitin he wrote it. And the Sivas is very, very beautiful. And, and the styles are so different because the, the Ksos HaChoshin was a Rosh Yeshiva. He was a, a Lamdan. He, he, taught, he taught Gemara. That's what he taught. The Rav Milisa was also a Rav of a community. And you can see in the way they deal with the Gemara and the way they explain the Gemara. Uh, the Ksos is talking to Lomdim and the Nesivas is talking to everybody in a kind of a way. It's easier to work it out. It's easier to understand. It's beautiful, beautiful stuff. It's interesting that he wrote the Sefer and Torah's Gitin. He was married three times and divorced three times. So he was quite a specialist in Gitin from his own, from his own experience. He wrote the Sefer Torah's Gitin. Um, he has descendants in Israel today. There's a professor at Tel Aviv University who is a, 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 a descendant of the Nesivas. And a from man. And there's a... Uh, there's a restaurant just in Yerushalayim, just off Rechov Strauss in Gula, which is owned by one of, his, one of his descendants. These people are around. It's interesting to know there's a connection with, the, the, despite the terrors of the, of the Holocaust and what happened, there are still there are connections and one needs to try and find these connections and, and, and engage with them. Anyway, what the, what the Torah's Gitin does on the next page of the, of the source sheet, sheet is he deals with the Ramban's question of exploring the difference between Get and Kinyan. So Get is a document and you can have a commercial document in a transaction. In our issue here, the difference is when a person says, this double language of it should apply from now and after death. Where in the case of Gitin, we say, this is a, we don't know what you mean, this is a Sophic. Whereas in the case of, of the trust, the father giving the, the gift to the children, we know exactly what you mean. You mean the capital is given to you now and the profit is given to you later on. And the Ramban says, why don't we use the, the principle of Tfos Loshen Rishon, which means, and we use that in Bava Basra, go by the first thing. What did he first say? That's, that's, that's how you go, you go by that. And the, the, um, the Sivas develops the idea and he says, because in the case of Kenyan, in, in the case of Gitin, the decision to divorce is unilateral. She doesn't need to be involved in that decision. A man decides the marriage is over, it's over, it's not going to work anymore. 
Once a man's decided the marriage is over, that's it, it's over. So how she understands his language is not important. What's important is what does he intend when he says it. That's why we look at his, at his intention, not at her, not, not at what she heard. However, in Kenyan, for a Kenyan to work, for a transaction between two parties to work, both are parties to the transaction. So he says, I want to sell you this. He, she, the other person says, I agree. If this is the price, I accept it. There, there's a transaction. There are two people involved. So in the case of Kenyan, when he says the first thing, he says, let's say, from today, and the other person hears and says, from today, I get this piece of property, and it's going to cost Y, or it's a gift to me, Good, I agree. From that moment, the deal's done. The two parties have agreed. Now he goes and changes his language too late. It's done already at that instant where the two parties have connected in a moment of agreement. At that moment, the deal, the deal is done. And now you can't go back on it. In the case of get, it all depends on the, on the husband. So until he actually gives her the get, he can say what he wants and change his mind 50 times. He's the only person. You can change your mind when, it doesn't, when you are the owner of the decision. That's what's important to look at over here. Who owns the decision? There's such a thing as ownership of a decision. A decision of divorce is owned by the husband. A decision of gifting or trading is owned by the two parties to the trade. It's not owned by one. And there needs to be negotiation between the two parties. And get, there's no negotiation. Husband says goodbye, has a get, it's over. In, in trade, there's negotiation. Ask the Nesivas, what about Kiddushin? Kiddushin, we also say we don't go after the first language. So if he changes his mind, we don't say, well, she's already accepted it based on the first thing. Uh, Kiddushin kind of is a hybrid. It's somewhere in between. Explains the Torah's Gitim that in Kiddushin, you've got a third model. Kiddushin is, it's his, he owns it. You've got to say, If a man doesn't say that, nothing happens. He's got to initiate it. But unless she agrees, his initiation is worthless. So we have three situations, three scenarios. We have Gittin, where the, hus the husband owns the decision unilaterally. We have trade, where the two parties own it collaboratively. And we have Kiddushin, where the husband owns it but needs the wife's acquiescence. So let's move this over to, to a situation of day-to-day of -day -day leadership. There are times when a leader needs to know I've got to make a decision. This is not to be negotiated. I don't have to inspire you to follow me. I don't have to sell my decision to you. It's my decision. I own it. Uh, and one of these, and we see that, that where this is used is by getting this, particularly when you're breaking a collaboration, when you're ending a collaboration. You don't have to have a long discussion. If it's not working, it's not working. Uh, never, we've had in the recent times, a lot, of, a lot of people have been laid off. A lot of people have been, uh, have been let, let go, fired from their jobs. Uh, and it's a bit, when, when one does that, you don't get into a long conversation because it creates a lot of confusion. You know, I think that you've, we've had a good career here, but maybe it's time to consider something else. The, the employee is thinking to himself, what, what's going on? What does this person want? You've got to actually get to the point and say, I've made a very difficult decision and I'm really sad about it, but it's over. And you'll be leaving this afternoon and you'll meet with our HR department who will work out the best package that they can to make this as easy as they can for you. Overs. Done. You don't have a negotiation. It just makes it more confusing and more painful to negotiate a divorce. And you have a collaboration where you're already in collaboration. You've got a partner. You're trading. You've come together. 
And now you want to do something. You want to, a new initiative. You want to launch a new product. That's got to be negotiated. Everybody's got to be on board. You've got to sit around the table and everybody has to agree that together. And then there's Kiddushin where you're initiating a relationship. Where you're initiating a relationship, you have to have the guts to make the decision. It's interesting how, how we get married in Torah and how the secular world does it. It's not, will you marry me? That's kind of playing it safe. And if she says no, you say, well, okay, you talk about it and then you go and find somebody else. Um, that's not how it is. What does the man say? You are my wife. From now, you are my wife. And here's a ring I bought at, at Cartier. Cost me a fortune of money. I want you to have it because with this ring, I'm making you my wife. And she can say, over my dead body, take your ring and go. She can. He needs her to agree. And until she agrees, it doesn't work. But he's got to have the guts to make the decision. Not to say, what do you think? Maybe we should get married. That's what you do when you're in relationship. Isn't it beautiful how once you separate it out, things become clear. If you're terminating a relationship, make the decision, be clear, over and done with it. If you're in a relationship, negotiate, bring people around, talk about it. If you're initiating a new relationship, have the guts to put your decision out there. Make a decision. I have decided I want this. And I want to persuade you that it's good for you too. I want to inspire you to follow me. And that's, the, that's when you're starting something new. You're putting a new team together. Inspire them to follow you. The team's already together. Collaborate, negotiate, work together. It's time to break the team up. Break it up with a clear decision. It becomes so clear when you take a part and you look at the Torah's Gitin and you learn the Tsugya and you say, so what? What, is, what do we learn from here? What does this teach me? These three models that the Nesivas works out and explains, and with this he answers the Ramban's question in Bova Basra and explains the Gemara and particularly the Rashi in our Sugya and on Dafa and Beis. What does it all mean to me? Oh my goodness, what does it mean to me? It clarifies something that makes causes so much confusion in families and in business and in communication because people don't know when a decision has to be unilateral, when it has to be collaborative, and when it has to inspire fellowship. 